0: Today's a, I think, a tougher Sunday than most. The readings we just heard are uh, pretty intense. Um, they rarely get easier than that. And yet, I think that if we slow down, take a deep breath, and attend to God's Word, there is a message of deep love and encouragement found in what we've heard today. And hopefully, this morning we can begin to access that love that God so readily offers us. As I said at the beginning of the service, we have begun this journey after Easter, after Pentecost, where as a church, we're discerning what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to hear Jesus send us into the world to share his message? How do we do that? What are the steps? What's the program. And then... Past Sundays, this Sunday, and going forward, we're going to be shown the shape. Last Sunday, we heard the story of Abraham and Sarah, the laughter of Sarah, at the promise of God of her giving birth to a child while she's in her 90s. Uh, That's a big call by any stretch. And yet we saw that as God gave her the promise, and she laughed, she was wrestling with it, Yet God fulfilled that promise and gave it her her child. We also derive from that that God has given us a promise in Jesus. And it's for us to trust in that, even though it's not manifesting in our lives, that we can trust that God is good and he'll do what he has promised he will do. All right, that's last Sunday. There's an internal work that God is doing for us to trust him. And so we say, okay, we're going to trust God. We're going to move forward. And as we step forward to do his work, then he tells us, by the way, it's going to be really hard. And everyone's going to hate you and they're going to kill you. And so now we've stopped again. Wait a minute. All right. And I think that's what we have to say. Um, I'm going to tell you a story, and some of you guys already know it, and if you know it, then uh, well, just bear with me. Um, years ago now, when I, was, uh, when I was in seminary, oh, sorry, I was about to go into seminary, it was a summer before my first term, and I was, um, my life was in flux, so much was changing, but I was also very excited for the future. And I was at a coffee shop working up some uh, last minute uh, studies, and I had lined up to get another drink. And ahead of me in the line uh, was a young woman who I uh, fancied. I saw her, and said, wow, she's kind of cute. Uh, I was single at the time, sorry. <laughs> just past. so oh, very much the past. Um, not my wife. Different story. Um, And I I just, I went up to her, I said, hi, sort of try to start a conversation. I guess she accepted it. So we had an impromptu kind of coffee date there in the cafe. Um, And I was talking to her and eventually it came up like, so what do you, what do do you do? What What are your future plans? And as, as she asked me that, I kind of froze. I suddenly felt the weight of having to say, well, you know, actually I'm going to seminary. And I'm studying to become a minister. Because I, I guess I had always felt the, the kind of the, the weirdness that's put on you when you're a Christian in this world. But then I felt kind of heightened. In that moment, I didn't want to be weird. I wanted to be affable and winsome. and All the things you want to do when you're talking to somebody you kind of like. And it hit, it hit me right in the stomach. And so I lied. I told her, oh, I'm, I'm going to be doing a master's of religious studies. And left it at that. It was so that's pretty neutral. What does that mean? Who knows? And so I moved on with the conversation. She's like, oh, okay, she was talking about herself, we were talking, and then I just couldn't get rid of that feeling of, No, that wasn't right. That, that was me. you lied to someone. Also, the reading you read, you know, you, you disown me before others, I'm gonna really disown you before my father, that kind of kind of appears. Like, oh no, I just I just stepped into the hot water. I had to get out. And so, when the conversation came to a pause, I had to tell her, "Listen, just so you know, I just—I just, well, lied to, I just lied to you. I'm not doing a master's in religious studies. I'm actually going to a college or a religious seminary." And yeah, sorry that I said that. And then she was very gracious. The conversation went on. That was it. Nothing came from that, right? Um, but that story stayed with me in my life, feeling the pressure and key moments of standing for Jesus. You know, saying like, yeah, I follow Jesus. Because I think we all intuitively know, we feel that there's a Christ factor. right? Because when you say you follow Jesus, you're invoking um, a whole vision of human life. A whole explanation for who we are our purpose, and what that life is supposed to look like. And in every human age, that shape of life, the Jesus life, in every human age, it never has fit neatly with human culture. It just never has. Because the life of Jesus is a life centered squarely on the life of God, All right? In other words, if you're following Jesus, you're not your own. Everything you think, everything you do is filtered through the lens of the question, well, what does God want me to do about this? What is God calling you to do? But you see, every human age, every human culture, human culture isn't asking that question. So naturally, there's going to be conflict. Because the tendency of every human culture is to say, how can we get more money and more power? How can we get more dominance and influence? And is not asking, what does God think do about this? Even the ones that poorly say that, in the very fabric of their of their politics, functionally are not doing that. The only person that ever did that perfectly, well, his name is Jesus, and he loved God perfectly. He loved humans perfectly, and they arrested him, and they lynched him on a Roman cross. The shape of following Jesus. And you don't have to know a lot about the story of the Bible to get a sense that if you say yes to Jesus, you brace yourself. You're in the deep water. So why do it? Why do it if I step in, if I step forward in faith, and Jesus is the way, and immediately it gets hard, and I'm going to be rejected by family, by friends, by co-workers, by the world at large, then why do it? Right? And it feels so painful. I'm so glad that we heard the story of Hagar this morning. I'm glad. It's actually a very... In the end, a beautiful story, but it does not seem like it at first. You know, you might know the story. Hagar is an Egyptian woman. She's a slave. She belongs to Abraham and Sarah. She's Sarah's slave. Abraham and Sarah are kind of like the power couple in the Bible, right? Everything kind of comes from them. They're a big deal if you didn't know that in the Bible. Um, Abraham talks to God. He's friends with God. Really important. And God had promised this couple a child. But Sarah was barren, and for decades that promise wasn't being fulfilled. And Sarah then takes it upon herself to kind of jumpstart the promise. So she takes her young slave, Hagar. Hagar has no choice. Slave gives her to Abraham, her use her as a surrogate, and then her child will be our child. I can't imagine, I can't imagine a more terrifying reality. Or you're, you're, you're forced to carry a child, you're gonna do this, you have no say, and get it done. And Hagar becomes pregnant and has a child. And a little later, see God makes it clear, this isn't is this is Abraham, Sarah, this is not what I had planned. I have, I had a promise to you, I still have it. And Sarah, in your 90s, you're gonna have a child, and she does miraculously give birth to a child, his name is Isaac. But Hagar and Ishmael, her son, are still there. And there's tension in this family. Because suddenly Sarah grows to resent this other child. Resents their reality. In one of the stories we didn't read today, Sarah beats Hagar mercilessly and Hagar runs away. But God comes to her, comes to her rescue, and Hagar returns to her home. This time Hagar doesn't have to run away. Sarah tells Abraham, Kick her out. She has no share in this family. And Abraham, in yet another moment of cowardice, his whole life, again, listens to Sarah, sends Hagar and his son, his child, Haki, and they go into the wilderness. And that might as well be a death sentence. And that's what we heard today. And that's heartbreaking. You want to talk hard. That's hard. So when we read this and we hear the story, we can think all kinds of things, all kinds of feelings arise and it's very hard to hear. But here's what's easy to miss. I'm not sure if you caught it. That story, Hagar, is a story of freedom. It's a story of freedom. It doesn't come right away because so much horrible is happening. A hard... Things are happening. But notice the details. She's been kicked out. She's no longer a slave. She's been set free. And as she enters that freedom, it's gotten really hard. And she's desperate. She's in a desperate moment. And as we hear in the story, in that hard moment, where she has no other recourse, once again, God shows up. When she was at her limits and she could do no more, God shows up. Because she also carried a promise. Earlier in her story, God had come to her and said, I have you, you will have a family. It will be a blessed family. I'm with you. She was on that journey. Journey of freedom that didn't look like freedom, but that's what it was. And that's us. Whether you're brand new to the faith or you've been following Jesus for many years, if you follow Jesus, you are receiving. Divine freedom—you're being set free. But I know that often it doesn't feel like freedom. It feels like you're being wrapped up to be beaten. And I know that because when we go outside these doors and you're in the water world, you look at the ads. Walt Rogers, tell us whatever—all these companies—they're also selling you freedom. If you buy this product. You're set free. Text anyone. Call anyone. Take this trip. You're free. And everything, you know, negotiated. Purchase your freedom with your money. All these things. Do whatever you want. And so we buy into this narrative of freedom. Absence of restriction, really. Right? So when we follow Jesus, what, all these rules and regulations, and i got to read the Bible and a trick. What's going on here? I thought I was being set free. And I'm going to be hated and judged? Right? Like, People that care about me, I thought, this isn't people freedom at all. I want less rules, and I want to have a lot more fun. Yeah, I really, have some restriction, not in any way. So that's a sort of shallow freedom at best, right? I mean, think about it. I really spend time thinking, if you think freedom is just do whatever I want, think about what that means. Take a fish, pick the fish up, put it on a tree branch, right right there. What's going to happen? What's the fish going to say, whoa, I'm really experiencing a whole new layer, level of freedom, this is, this is fantastic. What's next? No, the fish will flop for a second, fall to the ground, it's gasping, it's last breaths. But it happened, right? This is a thought experiment. But like, you see what I'm saying? The fish is restricted to the water. Yeah, you could have absolute freedom, to take it out of the water, put it in the tree, nothing's going to happen. The fish is going to die. That's it. What's interesting, actually, but if you take that fish from its flopping on the grass, pick it up, and you put it back in the water, it comes to life. Swims, spins, whatever you can do. You see what I'm saying? It just moves. It experiences. Because freedom isn't fundamentally, or in the end, about access to the church and freedom, is about recognizing your nature, who you are as a human being, and attuning to that. And, then, and in that knowledge, that self-understanding, that's where you experience freedom. So you have to, so you hear him saying you have to answer that prior question like, well, who am I? Right? Who am I really? I mean, Hagar have heard ask that question. Oh, wait a minute, I'm a human being just like Sarah. Why am I a slave? Right. Start asking yourself, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing right now? And humans through the ages have been asking that question. When we come here on Sunday, and we're reaffirming the truth of who we are. We each one of us are created by the hands of Creator God, created with infinite love, purpose to come to know God, to experience His love. Forever to be in relationship with this creator God. That's who we are. That's what we are made to be. And if you had an understanding that that's who you are, well, then yeah, there's some restrictions on how you, if you think about it, you could say that. Your life is restricted in some ways. Because instead of praying to 10,000 gods, you're going to be praying to the one true God, the creator God that actually exists and has made you. So there is a restriction, right? And then maybe, maybe you hear that dog's voice. What does God say? Hey, don't get wasted every night. Ah, right? So you restrict your habits. Oh, but I'm feeling you know, sexual right now. I want to watch some pornography. Hey, don't do that. That's not, that's not what I made it for. Ah, oh! and you feel a restriction. But what's actually happening is that you're being formed to the design that you were made for, and in that design that the fish you brought back to water, you actually experience Freedom. But sometimes it feels like it hurts. And that's okay. Have you ever, uh, have you ever gone back to the gym? You know where, you know where. You're going back to the gym? make that New Year's resolution, like this is the year of the eight pack, when you get ready, right? Pick up a little five-pound weights, that's me, right? There's a pumpkin for a bit, 25. But, uh, and then what happens when you go home? You feel good, right? Knocked out of the park, you go to bed, and then what happens next morning? Oh, I'm restricted, I can't do anything, right? Going well, to the gym is a good, it's a good, it's a good call. If you're, if you're making that choice and you're not know, encouraging you that, that's great. Uh, but you know that when you start doing that thing that you're supposed to be doing, it kind of hurts for a spell. All right, that's, a, that's an easy comparison. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hagar's story, she couldn't have known. Not really. She was suffering. But in the midst of that whole moment, she had walked into freedom and God was there. And she thought she was alone. She wasn't. So that is a clue. She was hearing a clue we need to hear out loud. We are never, none of us, alone. And we can know that and we can trust that because in the most painful and broken part of human history, 2,000 years ago, in the midst of a bloodthirsty empire, ravaging nations left right and center, at that crucial moment, God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God himself God didn't walk away God didn't abandon us God didn't just snap his fingers eradicate creation and start again no he came into our broken world he loved us so much he was born and he lived like us he was a little baby he grew up to be a man and he shared the message of God and love but more than sage teaching he let us know I'm coming coming to do something that you can't do. I've come to heal your world, your lives. I've come to heal the relationship that you've broken with God, with me. And I'm going to make it right. For all the suffering and all the brokenness that you experience in this world, the Hagar moments, that are unfortunately too common in human history, God came into this world with Jesus. And as we said, he loved God perfectly, he loved people perfectly, they arrested him, and they took him on the, on the Roman cross. And he submitted to that. He could have stopped him, he's gone, but he's accepted that. Because in taking, accepting that moment on the cross, he was taking our brokenness, our shame. All the evil that's happened to us, all the evil that we've done, by the way. He took him to his body, and as they killed it, he killed that evil and death. And he didn't stay dead. That's the beauty of today. He rose from the grave, he came to new life. So when Jesus is saying, hey, I'm God, and I have all this love and I could heal you, and then he, and he killed him, and he came back. You tend to think, I think this guy knows what he's talking about. Right? Well, he came back. And then to his friends, and then later to 500 people. He said, I'm here. I'm always going to be here. You are never alone. Yeah, i want to go to my father's house first, but I'll even then, I'm sending you my Holy Spirit. My very Spirit. I'm always with you up to the end of the age. That's Jesus' those words. And so, here I'm talking to the Christians. Alright? If you're a follower of Jesus, no matter where you are on that spiritual journey, when you've taken that first step forward, I'm trusting Jesus. I'm going to follow you. There's something about you that really pulls me. And then, Bam, someone hates you. Bam, someone criticizes you. Bam, someone responded you. As they do. I think it's silly to be here. In that moment, your Hagar hey, moment, oof, everything's wrong. I'm hurting. I went to the gym yesterday, and now this really hurts. In that moment, and you feel I can't do this. No, it's just way too hard. This is way too hard, right? Ah, uh, religious science, right? And you feel that moment. Just know that you're not alone. You're walking into the freedom God always wanted you to experience. Yes, it feels like that. But you're not alone. God is there, right there. Jesus is right there. He's going to give you exactly what you need. And so you have to remember it only feels like that. It's not actually death, because the actual death was taken by Jesus on the cross. You're not being called to. Except those who you do, and that's a different conversation. But for the rest of us, you hear what I'm saying? What does it matter if someone makes fun of you? What does it matter if someone giggles at you? What does it matter if someone says, well, you're not that smart. right? What does that matter if the love of God, the creator of the universe, is saying, I love you and I'm with you, and for you, death is not the end. It's just a door to a greater life with me. What does it matter if someone makes fun of me? For this. If it's true, which it is, Jesus rose from the grave kind of proves that. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to make the mental you do the mental math. Person made fun of me. I have the love of the king. You know what? We're gonna be okay. You're being offered a choice today. Well, really it's every day, but you're here this is for the Christian. If you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. I hope you enjoy the service. Yeah. Sing with us, pray with us, be called. But I want to talk to the Christians in the room right now. You've accepted to follow Jesus. That's the choice you made in your life. You're going to be making that choice every, day. every morning you wake up. That's the choice you make. Some mornings will be hard for others. You're going to walk to certain rooms, and it's just going to be hard. Right? Days like today, when we sing, when we pray, we're asking about God, I'm so frail, I'm so weak, I'm so liable to be quiet or falter or to kind of follow you. I'm so, God, uh, where I'm faithless, can you fill me with your faith? Where I'm weak, can you fill me with your strength? And as you pray that, and as you ask for that, God will give you exactly what you need for today. From every day. And at the end of your life, you look back and it's not going to be a river of meaningless career, job, things, vacation. It won't be that, that you'll be thinking about with Oh, if only I can go back. You'll be looking forward to a new, better life with Him. That's the promise. My prayer is that you accept it, not only for your greater good, but God's greater glory. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that in the midst of our hardest moments, God, maybe we're following you, maybe uh, we're telling people about you or people just know that we're following you and we have a hard time and awkward moment. We feel discouraged. Um, God, we thank you that in those moments you're with us. God, I pray that you strengthen each and every one of us here to follow you with, uh, with a new honesty. That we would be transparent and winsome with those around us. We may share your love in compelling ways, uh, Lord. Where we be, we're, we, we're being funny because we're being obnoxious, It could you help us not be that. But we're being honest and true. Give us the strength to weather the storms. We thank you that you pay the ultimate price and you're with us. And we're never alone. And so for that we give you thanks. In the name Amen. of Jesus Christ, The Lord. Amen. Amen.